On this episode, Data finds the dumb brother, Riker tries to get married, Picard finds out he has a clone, but not in a good way, Tom Hardy realizes that this ain't Black Hawk Down, and Worf does nothing. I'm Captain Awesome. And I'm the Triple Hippie. Welcome aboard, take a station, and find something to hold on to. There are no seatbelts on the bridge. Everybody, welcome back to No Seatbelts on the Bridge. Uh, we're continuing Star Trek 10 Nemesis. nemesis. <sighs> yeah, uh, it is my nemesis at this point. <laughs> uh, this is uh, the final episode where we will discuss the ending of Nemesis and the ending of the Star Trek The Next Generation movies. Previously, uh, we lost Lieutenant Branson. We shut off B4. Deanna finally found the tailpipe <laughs> and the enterprise got into a pretty major fender bender. So let's find out what happens next. <laughs> so, yeah, so as you were saying, the scimitar was staring him down and Picard decided to just ram it. So uh, you were talking about the effects of how they did that. Yeah. So yeah, it was, like I said, it was a, uh, it was a practical effect and they basically just built the front ends of the two ships and slowly just smashed them together uh, in front of a high-speed camera. They did it all, shot it upside down so that the debris would fly in the film, would look like it's flying upwards. Um, and then they just add the CGI effects to the uh, of explosions and things of that nature. So it was an interesting choice. Um, I'm not sure why they did it that way. I assume it was hmm. probably cheaper, but, uh, but... I wonder if that's like fun or if it's heartbreaking to like build those really intricate models and then be like, I'm going to smash it. <laughs> I know it does seem after all the work you've done and then, uh, and then say, like, okay, right. now we're going to, uh, now we're going to ruin it all. <laughs> but I guess if you're visual effects on any kind of action flick, you got to go through that stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. think about the intricate model that was made for the, uh, the enterprise D crashing on the planet. Like they literally strapped that sucker to a truck and yes. drove it into something. That, <laughs> oh. So in the end, I think this was, I think Picard's actual plan was that it was going to take Shins on a little bit of time to find the insurance card to deal yeah, with right. all this. And, and so that will at least give them some time to get some action. What I'm really oh. disappointed though, is that when the enterprise plows into the scimitar and you get to see interior shots of the scimitar while this is happening, that we didn't just see a split second shot of, of Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan in the bar going <clears throat> and just watching the wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it turns out there was actually a scene that was cut out of this. Uh, it was early on in the movie and it was when Guinan was complaining about the fact that 10 forward on the new ship had actually been replaced with 15 rear. And <laughs> so now, now she's pretty happy about it. <laughs> Or 15 aft, excuse me. <laughs> 15 rear, completely different club. That's uh, a different bar altogether, yeah. <laughs> so There's the, a joke in there that I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so so the two ships are stuck together, and of course Shinzon, you know, doesn't like that, so he tells his helmsman to go full revor- reverse, and... um 
I really like the acting by the helmsman in this because you could see the look on his face of what are we doing here? What this none of this Ugh. makes sense, right? Am I the only one? <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, I know that we grew up in a dilithium mine, but I did take <laughs> physics. Like we had a school. They they showed us what happens when things go reverse in space. Like they're coming with us. You know that, right? Nope, not in the Star Trek universe. The two ships separate. I'm not sure like, how, but they do. On top of everything else, physics tells us that what really happened here is they're still moving backwards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Go in reverse. We're already going that way, dude. <laughs> now, all you had to do is do something like, you know, apply apply tractor beams to push against their hull. I'd say something, but nope, nope, we're just going to back up. Well, okay. And my favorite part about this is this super advanced spaceship that has <laughs> the most advanced weaponry, the most advanced engines. Everything is the most advanced we've ever seen. And when they put put it in R, the retro <laughs> rockets pop out and start like firing in reverse. Like, what is that crap? <laughs> You know, Jordy's on the Enterprise going, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> you know, you could do that with impulse engines, right? <laughs> right. All right. So we, we go back to the weird garbage shoot thing that's got Riker and the Viceroy in it. <laughs> and here we're going to get a classic, classic Star Trek trope. Okay, we're going to fight. Here we are fighting. We're fighting through these Jeffrey tubes. We're fighting all these catwalks. And now... We're fighting on a catwalk in the middle of a huge shaft that goes way up and way down with nothing else in it. What is this room? What is this? You know, it just occurred to me. The Viceroy died the same way Kirk died. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Which I can only assume was, uh, we don't really know how to end this. So we're going (laughs) to use a catwalk. What uh, is this? There's a huge cylindrical room that goes like hundreds of feet up, a hundred feet down with a cat, a single catwalk in the middle of it, which the catwalk is bolted. The catwalk is yes. bolted in the time of Star Trek. This catwalk is bolted because the bolts shear on one hat, one side to tilt it sideways, allowing Riker to kick the right. Viceroy off who plummets down this well, huge. Where is this in the enterprise? That does explain why all of a sudden the intercom comes on and Jordy's like, Hey, uh, Riker, be careful. That's a temporary catwalk. I just put that up. <laughs> I was I was working on the top of the turbo shaft. Don't don't use that. Just be careful. I really didn't tighten that thing down very well. <laughs> that was that's only intended for me. That's not don't put any more weight on that. And for God's sakes, don't use that turbo shaft lift. Right. I yeah, just, you know what the worst part is? Is you know there was somebody who was trying to get to sick bay because of the crash, and they're in the turbo lift, and all of a sudden they're like, "Boom! What the hell was that?" Bang! <laughs> yeah, it sounded just like a Riemann. Weird. <laughs> so, so, and of course, and again, what is this room, and why does it have artificial gravity going all the way to the bottom of it? Right. Seriously. Like if, if you have a room that's that big on a starship, you'd think that's the one room where you're like, 
no gravity. Mm-mm. We'll just keep the gravity <laughs> off in this room just in case. This is a safety issue. <laughs> but no, it's got to have crazy amounts of gravity. See, Plus, the, the, um, this is something that bugs me about, about the episode where Picard and the little kids have to climb up the turbo shaft. Yes. Turbo shafts should not have any gravity in them. That makes no sense for there to be gravity in a turbo shaft. Yeah, because the, the gravity plating would be in the actual car. Right. The lift itself would have its own gravity yes. plating. You have no gravity in the shaft because then it's dual purpose. Safety issue again. Yes. If something happens, why would you want that thing to fall? That would blow a hole in your <laughs> ship. <laughs> ah. See, they anyway. missed they missed an opportunity because what they could have had here is they could have had Riker and Perlman fighting. They could have him on the uh, catwalk. And just when Riker gets him in position, you could have flashed to Worf being at the bottom going <laughs> and turning on the artificial gravity to make the guy plummet. <laughs> that'd be amazing. <laughs> and then he has to get out of the way. So he starts climbing the ladder and singing French climbing songs. <laughs> Frere Jacques, oh, Frere Jacques. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> so, so Picard decides, you know what? I'm going to blow up the ship. Why not? <laughs> Again. <laughs> and this time we don't even get a chance for the second officer to pipe in because the ship is just like, no, not doing it. There. Um, uh, it's offline. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. The computer, for some reason, sounds like Jordy. <laughs> it's like, see Jordy on the side as well. The ship won't blow up. Self-destruct system offline. Please don't ask again. (laughs) The card's like, yeah, that tracks. Uh, So, uh, so Shinzon just goes ahead and uh, decides to deploy the weapon. He's tired of, he's accepted he's never going to get Picard. So he's going to wipe them all out. And once again, he tells his helmsman, yeah, go ahead and deploy the weapon. And once again, the helmsman just like, I just really don't feel comfortable. You almost get the idea this guy was a temp. You know, right. he's just like, I, I, is this really my job? Am I supposed to be doing this? It's, it's- now, <laughs> I will say, if I ever get the chance to do creature feature and to be a makeup guy, I'm telling you right now, my aliens are going to look amazing. They're going to have all kinds of crazy stuff that looks super alien. However, they still have a job. They still have stuff they have to do. So they're all going to have perfectly manicured nails. <laughs> not, not the five-inch fingernails, the uh, Nosferatu right? nails they all have. Like, I don't care what evolutionary standard is going on. Those are fingernails. You can cut those and be like, hey, look, now I can reach buttons. I just don't buy the whole, I have to touch everything like I just got a three-inch manicure. <laughs> If you look like you're on that show Claws, you shouldn't be at the helm. <laughs> you think they at least would have built some sort of uh, interface that that was uh, a little more in tune with having long fingernails, I guess. But why? Why not just clip your damn nails? Because <laughs> that's not what a real man does. That's not right. what a real well, Reman man does. Either that or that's the only close-up we got. And this is actually Tim. And everybody <laughs> knows that... Tim's gross and doesn't do basic hygiene. Like, oh God, there's long nail Tim again. <laughs> Ugh. Don't let him get near your food. It's gross. 
Actually, I'm I'm usually I'm usually back in the storeroom picking things out of the test tubes. <laughs> I I don't work on the bridge usually. This is not right. Listen, <laughs> I'm I'm a belly button lint collector. Uh, <laughs> oh, ew, yuck! All right. Now I do like that the Shinzon as a final kind of screw you to Picard. Uh, his ship starts to deploy its weapon and it starts to look like the lionfish that Picard used to have in his, in his ready room a long time ago. So it was kind of a, do you know that in the design notes, they actually wanted it to look like a lionfish. Is that right? Yeah. I, I was reading about the ship and they were like, yeah, it was designed to look like a lionfish. And I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> I wonder if they, I wonder if the reason that they chose lionfish was because of his, his fish, or if that was just, Coincidental because Barrett is weird. Eh, 80, 20. All right. <laughs> uh, I, I do find it interesting though, that all of the intricate foldy bits on that ship, it's amazing that they still work after, you yes. know, it's been fired upon several times. Uh, it's flown through debris fields and it's had an enterprise crash into it. <laughs> One of the big ones too. Right. <laughs> I don't know. And also Jordy just happens to know exactly how everything works. Again. <laughs> well, oh, he appears that way yeah. it, it, again. It was kind of the uh, Alexa, how long until the Theralon right. radiation comes about? <laughs> Seriously. But of course, Jean-Luc finds out, well, I have to do what I have to do. And we are reminded once again, this is action movie Picard. So he grabs a gun and says, transport me, not transport worth, not transport data. No, transport me over there because that makes the most sense. Well, that's one of those moments where, you know, that as soon as he transported away, Riker was like, uh, Titan, you guys still there? <laughs> um, you got, you got my seat ready for me. Right? <laughs> All right. I just want to double check. I am so sick of this crap. <laughs> And then, of course, the terminal blows up in Jordy's face, and you can see the look on Jordy's face like, well, he's dead. (laughs) And once again, don't a lot of your shuttle crafts have transporters on them? I like when transporters go down on the ship, they're just like, meh, I guess that's that. (laughs) It's like, wait, you There's there's no other ones. (laughs) (laughs) That always confuses me, is like, uh... Like maybe well, twice in the series, they actually mentioned, well, we could use the ones on there, but it's not very often. Yeah. And they never use them well either. Yes. It's, it's always like a particular device for a particular segment, but it's not like we, we could actually use this technology. Well, I feel the same way about like warp engines and, and stuff like that. Like how many times have they found themselves without power or without propulsion or whatever? <laughs> and they're like, I mean, we do have 30 shuttles in there, but those couldn't possibly be useful, right? I, I know each one of them has its own tractor beam that could, you know, pull the ship, but I, you know, we're, we're, we're just going to have to die here in space. <laughs> it's really hard finding people who can fly those things. Right. I mean, I, I know that every adult on this ship is going to fly them, but still. Because one thing that we have learned from, from TNG is that every adult who goes through uh, uh, the Academy has to fly shuttles recklessly. Yes. They have to fly it. Yes. <laughs> I don't care if you want to be a geologist, you're going to be flying the shuttle. Right. 
Anyway, so that blows up and <clears throat> Data's like, well, I'm in command now. What do I do? Uh, <laughs> Troy. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> um, Counselor Troy, you're, you're in charge now. Um, I, I remembered something in my car. I gotta go get. <laughs> so Picard runs in. He's like, "Oh, there's that wall again." <laughs> I wonder if maybe they're hiding the weapon behind that really goofy painted wall that's supposed to look like a, a hallway, right? Okay, now we get to quite possibly the dumbest thing in the whole movie. <laughs> Data's like, "You know what? There is a hole in the ship." I'll bet I could do something with that. And so he turns into Superman. Okay. He literally. So I'm assuming he doesn't want to use a shuttle because he thinks he won't be detected if he just runs over there. Uh, who even knows at this point? But he's only going to be going at the speed of the atmosphere pushing him out the front of that thing. How far are these ships away from each other at this point? Is it just the atmosphere or does he, because he kind of takes a running jump i guess yeah he runs he he runs and then kind of jumps and, and gets pushed out by the atmosphere but still but that's atmosphere is pushing him out then that means there's no force field which means that the atmosphere would have already been vented oh which... very good point okay so what happens is jordy does the two-door thing oh okay. so the corridor jordy shuts the, or turns on the there's already a force field at the end keeping bare space out of the ship. Jordy puts a second one behind data data runs forward. And then Jordy turns off the one that leads out to space. And what little atmosphere is in the hallway there um, pushes him out. And then it's at that point that he literally puts his hands forward like super. Yes. Okay. Now it seems like it would take him a long time based on how fast he would have been going for him to, reach this other ship, but well, it's a good thing that he's got really strong hands. Cause he's going to grab onto something and just hold on to the other ship. <laughs> yes. No, here's the thing we saw earlier during the red alert montage that, you know, you can just flip a wall panel around. You got a couple of guns, but magnetic gloves or boots. Oh no, we're going to keep those stored away because those wouldn't possibly be of any use to anybody in emergency Listen, Undiscovered Country taught us that those are in real short supply. <laughs> Anybody who has magnetic boots is clearly trying to assassinate a chancellor. <laughs> so, he, so, yeah. Yeah, he, he, so he flies through space, as he said. He grabs onto the ship, and he grabs onto the ship in a very opportune place where there just happens to be an airlock right there. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, he has a computer, man. He could have altered his trajectory, I guess. I don't know. With what? <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> well, I guess, well, he had a phaser with him. So you know I guess what? he could have used a phaser to. Uh... He's lactose intolerant. He ate a cheese sandwich right oh, before he jumped into space. There you go. <laughs> Mystery solved. <laughs> <laughs> so. We're back on the other ship and Picard's there and ha- he blows up the bridge door to, to get what? in. Yeah. Once, <laughs> a, once again, phasers blow, blow doors up. They don't blow well, walls up. They just, they're either, people, but they either weld them shut or blow them up. <laughs> 
these are very inconsistent weapons. <laughs> also, why didn't he just transport onto the bridge? Why go through the hassle of having to shoot through something? Like it's not like he was going in there all sneaky and hoping not to get shot at. Very true. That's he a- announced himself. <laughs> that has to be on Jordy then, because Jordy's the one who right. transported him in. Yeah, right as that panel blew up, Jordy was like, "Whoops." <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can't fix that now. So now we have the epic battle between Shinzon and Captain Picard. Yeah. First, Picard's got to take out all the stormtroopers. Oh, yeah. Once again, these great, great warriors that took on. How bad are the Jem'Hadar that these guys were the ones who beat the Jem'Hadar? Right. I mean, the Jem'Hadar I saw in Deep Space Nine, they actually could hold their own. I, I don't know who these other idiots are. You know what though? We're we're down to engineers now. We've already killed off all the hallway technicians. These are <laughs> these are all the computer guys that are like, ah, oh, I, you want me to do what now? And somewhere Fine, in another room, the barbers and the cooks are going, oh god, I don't want to be up next, right? <laughs> Before Picard got there, Shinzon was like, listen, they might board the ship, so I'm going to need you to take off that stupid T-shirt and put on an evil cloak, okay? <laughs> I told you, t-shirts and jeans are fine when we're not going to be talking to anyone. <laughs> it's, it's, it's only casual Friday when we're not having visitors. Okay. Right. That's just, I don't know how to make it any more clear. <laughs> so Picard hits somebody with his gun because for some reason, nobody shoots rifles in these shows. They just hit people with them. Yeah. And he breaks it. I mean... It kind of looks like one of those old laser tag rifles. So <laughs> I know those are pretty easy to break over someone. Don't, don't ask, but <laughs> I don't know. It seemed, it seemed, it seemed like it had a less, a, a less stamina than a super soaker. It, it really kind of, <laughs> right. <laughs> so he, uh, he goes for the, the, the big weapon. And Big Shinzon's like, all right. And Shinzon's like, no, and jumps on him. And Picard loses his phaser, doesn't notice it yet. And then Picard gets up after that and he runs in there anyway. And he's like, oh, I got it. I'm here. And he pulls out his <laughs> weapon. To, oh, it's not there. <laughs> Damn. Right. So then Shinzon pulls a knife. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, he's got a couple of them. Punk. Yeah, right? Like, you're on a starship, and everybody's got energy weapons? Why do you carry two knives? <laughs> There's just a whole level of paranoia and stupidity that just... <laughs> right? Well, Data shows up inexplicably because, you know, he flew over like Superman, used his laser eyes to open a hole in the side of the ship. And- oh, well, it, the one thing before Data shows up is... So Shinzon is going to go after Picard and Picard just breaks off part of the ship and stabs <laughs> Shinzon with it. Okay. First that. of all, how did you know that part of the ship was going to be able to break off that easy? How and, desperate do you have to be where you're like, I'm going to grab the wall and see if something comes off. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, if it was that flimsy, how did it just go right through Shinzon like that? Right. I guess it, maybe it was a piece of wood. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Right. Well, he stabs him right in the heart because, you know, he knows that's a weak spot. (laughs) (laughs) 
mentions on does the uh, the old famous you know crazy bad guy thing of like oh you stabbed me here let me let me grab the thing that you stabbed me with and pull myself closer to you on it because i'm yeah. just a sick puppy well i will say that that move i mean that is a final f you to anybody who stabbed <laughs> you and in movies the the one that i think is even worse is when it's a sword and they grab onto it and like slice up their hands real bad <laughs> as they're doing it and it's like oh that's that that hurts and stings. It's, oh, it's kind of man. one of those things of you know I'm gonna die, but I'm I'm not gonna die because you stabbed me, right? <laughs> I'm gonna die I, because I want to. I forget what movie it was, but I saw one where the guy did that. He like pulled against or pulled on the sword and pulled it all the way until they were like nose to nose, and then he started like putting his hands on the guy's face, and it was just like blood all down his face and on his clothes, and I was just like, ah, oh, that's horrendous. <laughs> Oh no, that sounds like a move I'd do. <laughs> You're gonna right? kill me. I'm gonna gross you out. Exactly. <laughs> You're gonna remember this forever. Here's a little PTSD before I before I head out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so that's when Data shows up, and Data's like, uh, "Do you want me to get that off of you?" And, <laughs> and pulls Picard out, and uh, he's like, "Hey, listen." This is getting real dangerous in here. So bye and slaps that temporary transporter onto Picard and Picard's out of there. Then, and I'm like, dang, that was pretty cool. Good thing they foreshadowed that. Huh? <laughs> it's too bad they couldn't have made a second one in the amount of time they had left. Right. <laughs> so data blows up the weapon by shooting it. Although I, I agree with you. I think he should have been like, Hey, Jordy, you want to send that back? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, so he shoots it. Everything blows up. Well, he proved his final dramatic pause lesson was a success because he let it count down to two before he <laughs> shot, shot it. I love the countdown, the voice that they use for thing, too. It sounded like one of those big Muppets, you know, the the, <laughs> the huge ones that have the, you know, feet and legs and everything. Four, three, <laughs> two, <laughs> one. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. <laughs> two, two seconds left. <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, Data basically just says goodbye and he's gone. There's no, there's no, yeah. uh, 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 Kirk Spock, you know, he was the better part of me, you know, and ship out of danger. There's none of that data just turns around fires and he's gone. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things that I realized as I was watching this, that this scene was so not touching that it's when I watched Picard season one, I was catching up. I was trying to remember what the hell happened <laughs> because this was just, it did not stick with me in any way. It's so just blah. It, it just was exactly what you expected to happen. It wasn't really touching in any way. It didn't make you think, oh, they lost their friend. No. In fact, when they start talking about how they missed their friend, I'm like, mm, it, it doesn't feel very real. And quite honestly, how many other people died in this? And you're <laughs> lamenting the robot? <laughs> i don't know so it just it just did not stick and it, it didn't it didn't land at all i don't think yeah and and uh 
No, I agree. It, it seemed for a death scene, it just really didn't, it didn't resonate. There was nothing special about it. There was nothing really that uh, memorable about it. Surprisingly though, the, the great thing about it is that it was pretty good real lifeism. I mean, true <laughs> Star Trek there, you know, there's no real drama to it. It was just like, Hey, look, you're in space. Sometimes people wink out of existence because <laughs> space sucks. It's dangerous. Space is and, a dangerous place. Right. And everybody else was like, Oh, that sucks. I don't know. I don't know. And you know, the, the other helmsman was like, yeah, but what about Branson? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, the dude that I'm not, the guys whose job I now have. Right. You guys finally, finally replaced Lieutenant Hawk from two movies ago. You finally got a regular helmsman and this is how you feel about it. Okay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so the Romulans show up and they're like, Hey, um, we're, we're here to prevent anything bad from happening. And Picard's like, screw you guys. What's your problem? <laughs> so they, nah, they, they, they offer to help. And he tells, he tells Jordy, just open the doors. I, don't want to deal with it right now. Well, and you know, this is another thing that I kind of forgot about until uh, Picard as well was, you know, he really did form a relationship with the Romulans here. And this kind of sets the stage for uh, a, a new relationship with the Romulans. And it wasn't until that movie that I was like, Oh yeah. Or that show. Cause I, I totally forgot about it. Cause again, there's no emotion to this whatsoever. And as as much as they tried to make this into a fully featured film that was done really well as a movie, all that stuff, it still ended like an episode where it was like, well, that was fun. Now here's the wrap up. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, don't don't forget to buy Downey. Downey's really good. <laughs> so, so. Yeah. And in fact, one of the scenes that also got uh, taken out was we were supposed to see Riker's replacement there. At this point, Paramount really believed they were going to make another movie. Yeah. Um, and so they were setting up, they they thought they were set, going to set up the next movie because um, Riker's replacement would be Commander Madden, who would be played by Stephen Culp, who Star Trek fans would know as Major Hayes of the Makos in Enterprise. So he didn't get the... Makos! Makos! So he didn't, uh, he didn't get the Commander Madden post, but he, he was on, what, three seasons of uh, enterprise. Yeah, he was awesome. I love that character actually. Yes. Yes. You know, the thing that I think was great about that character was that he was the military blowhard. And then they finally let him expand and be like, listen, yes, I, I, I am a military guy and I have a military way of doing things, but you need to keep in mind that my job is safety. So that's why I act that way. But I, I am a, person <laughs> like <laughs> i i have more to me than just this gun i'm holding i i am a person and once they started expanding on his role like that and allowing him and archer to really form that that uh that that symbiotic relationship yes i think it got real good after that i did like the uh the kind of uh uneasy uh rivalry between uh, Hayes and Reed uh, kind of playing into the uh, Marine slash Navy type rivalry. Yep. Um, I, I, but I like Malcolm Reed as a character. I really thought he was a cool character. Wait, you're, you're a fan of Malcolm Reed. Oh yeah. I, I never would have known. 
<laughs> oh wait, yes, yes, I would. Uh, <laughs> you you might have said that a time or two. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man, I, I think we have a read alert. Yep, it's a read alert. <laughs> so yeah, then uh, so Picard reactivates B four for some damn reason. What what is wrong with these people? <laughs> well. Does he do that first or does, is, do we do the toast first? We do the toast first. The to- so, cause we have to have the obligatory super awkward toast between all the people who just lost the one person and don't care about all the other people who died. Which is really awkward for Worf because we, we know how Worf views death and Worf at this point would be happy for data because they had achieved the highest honor, which was to die in defense of one's ship and crew. So, so yeah, everybody's really sad. Worf's trying to act sad when really he's like, like, Oh yeah, yeah, this is so bad. What's wrong with you people? (laughs) Is is everyone else very sad that he shall feast in (laughs) Stovacor? And then, yeah, no, he, he uh, I, I think everybody, their, their reactions were just so, they, they felt kind of contrived. I, I think this scene probably should have been about 10 minutes longer and have everybody sitting there like um, telling data stories. Yes. Right. If Riker tells one and it's, it's good. It's, I mean, Riker's story is, is great actually, because it is a hundred percent, a callback to the first episode. Yes. It was done really well. It was absolutely a, how do we cap the entire show? Cause it's one of the very early scenes too, where he goes in and finds data whistling. Oh the yes. Holodeck, right. And when he tells that story, I have to admit, I was like, Oh, that's, that's a good story. But it, it would have been nice to have everybody kind of do that. I think that could have been really cool. Yes. But then again, I guess, I don't know if everybody filmed their data interaction for the first time. Oh, true. True. Right. Frakes might've been the only one who filmed one. I was going to say that I think that's the, uh, Oh, in the actually O'Brien, when we see, um, the, um, the season finale or the series finale, uh, best of both, not best of both worlds, but all good things. Oh yeah. 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 Data and, and, uh, chief O'Brien meet for the first time. Uh, actually we see data meet Picard on that episode as well. Yes, that's right. That is right. Yeah. Huh. That would have been good. Of course, we don't know if that's the true timeline of the way that Picard met data or not because of, well, maybe if Baird was a fan, we could have established that. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know. It, it, it just, this had the potential to be a scene that really would have gotten to all the fans. And I feel like the scene was just kind of a throwaway. They just kind of passed through it. Yeah. Yeah. We have to, we have to have this scene of everyone being said, all right, wrap that up. Yeah. And now Riker leaves. Um, I don't know. I, I do find it interesting, though, uh, as I was watching Riker say his departing words, I was like, oh, it's it's weird that Riker is older now than Picard was when he took over the, the Enterprise. I was thinking so, that myself, like, yeah. Right? And so, like, and, and quite a bit older. Like, he's 20 years older than he was. <clears throat> and that... So now when his number one is like, Hey, 
you probably shouldn't go on this away mission. I'm thinking Riker's going to be like, you know, my knees do hurt. It's like, you know what? I think that's a good idea. (laughs) Look, I'm in my fifties. I'm always tired. I'm good. Uh, Now Picard is going to reactivate B4. What is wrong with these people? Seriously. (laughs) Like just walk away. I, I thought this was going to be the uh, beginning of a spinoff with B4. It'd be kind of a Mr. Bean type thing, you know, a, a Star Trek right. comedy, but that never really panned out. Ugh. I don't know. This this whole scene was just kind of weird, too, because like Picard's trying to have this like, I get to hang out with my friend after all. <laughs> and B4 is like, I eat this? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the whole thing where Picard tries to make the point and uh, and and before it's just like nah, I don't get it, <laughs> right? But then, as Picard starts to leave the room because Worf has told him we're starting up the warp engines, um, Data starts to hum "Blue Skies" as a callback to the wedding scene at the beginning of the movie to give us optimism that perhaps Data's not dead after all. However, so we won't see before in any of the Picard series <laughs> so far. So who knows what the heck happened to him? His own stupidity probably eventually caught up to him. Uh, he did. Um, blah, 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 blah. Sung's son said what happened to him. Oh, really? Oh, I have to go back and see that. Yeah. He said something like B4 was destroyed or something or, or whatever. And they were able to recover everything. That's how they rebuilt data's consciousness oh see i thought they rebuilt data's consciousness by finding uh, debris from where the uh, scimitar blew up i think they needed i gotta have to, i'm gonna have to watch that episode again it was kind of confusing and it also admittedly i should watch it again because i was confused because i couldn't remember this stupid movie <laughs> yeah i'll um, have to go back and I'll, I'll have to go back and watch it eventually the the other thing too is the i felt really robbed by this scene because the rest of the movie had left me so emotionally bereft <laughs> that by the time I got to this scene, I really wanted to be touched by it. Like I was, I was watching this and I'm like, this is actually pretty good. Him humming blue skies and Picard, like, you know, no, he's really gone, you know, and walking out the door. And after everybody's also just kind of said goodbye, I was like, man, this, this right here, this is good stuff. This is, this should have been a tearjerker, but I just spent two hours not caring. <laughs> so it's why it's, do I care now? It seemed like you put a really good ending on the, on the back of a really bad movie. <laughs> right. I, it should have been so much better. Nailed that should have it. been a release. <laughs> that, that should have been 15 years of pent up frustration let out in tears. And instead, it was two hours of pent-up frustration that just pissed me off. It was the polar opposite of Star Trek VI. Star Trek VI, we actually had yes. a goodbye to the original crew that that fit. It was a good action story. It all made sense. It went together. And it seemed like they were all within their character. And we got to see them one more time do this wonderful thing. This movie, no. It, it seemed just the opposite. We'd really... Again, 
this kind of ended the franchise with a bang that was a whimper. Yeah, that's true. And it's it's really too bad. Yes. Um, because there there was a lot of potential there. And, you know, I love this crew. Absolutely love the entire cast. I've loved the TNG cast since the very beginning. And for it to end that way was such a bitter pill. So hopefully <clears throat> they're going to make it up to you. Oh, man. You know what? At this point, I'm. it's all nostalgia, right? So at this point, they could all walk on stage and be like, I was in TNG and walk <laughs> off. And I'd be like, you know what? That episode was great. I, I don't care. I want them to do the same thing for Enterprise because honestly, I feel Enterprise was robbed of a decent ending. Yeah. Um, and I did like that crew. I, I really, I, uh, really wish yeah, that they'd, they'd never get Jolene like Blaylock back. No, probably not. Which is, yeah. which is honestly a pity because she's one of my three favorite Vulcans. I mean, her Tim Russ and Leonard Nimoy, I thought they all pulled that act off really, really well. It's true. It's true. I mean, and she was great. And it's funny because she's got the reputation for the, the whole, you know, sex symbol thing. And I enjoyed her performance so much. Oh yes. Yes. And like the, the first couple episodes when they were only going after the sex symbol stuff, it wasn't good. No. But once she finally was like, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm going to, I'm going to play my character. (laughs) And it was like, whoa, she's great. The ability to roll your eyes without rolling your eyes. I, I have to, right. if I ever were to meet her, I would have to tell her that that was amazing. I don't know how, what you learned or how you did that, but the fact that it was obvious you were not rolling your eyes when you wanted to, it's like, that was, that yeah. was well done. That was good stuff. Well, as far as this movie is concerned, um, you know, like I said, it's a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. And back when it came out, it did not do well. Um, <laughs> well did the, it was a f- made $67 million on a $60 million budget. Yeah, which for, for those that are counting, that sounds like it's a plus. It's not. Yeah. That is a minus. That's, that's rough. That is rough. Yeah. Um, the budget for this movie was $10 million less than the last movie, which that should be an indicator right there that things aren't going to go well to start with. Yeah. Paramount just did not put anything into this. It kind of, it was one of those things that they felt we can probably squeeze some more money out of this. Yeah. But they, it was sequelitis. They had sequelitis plain and simple, but they had no interest in actually making a decent film. They just figured enough Star Trek fans will come out. The name recognition will, will, you know, pull us through to put it in perspective on how bad this movie did at the box office. The same year, uh, the Born Identity came out with a similar budget and did two hundred and fourteen million. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> but you're making it, you're making that movie on sixty million, and you're spending a lot on your uh, on your stunts, but you have no exterior space shots that you're having to pay for. Yeah, I'm still amazed that those are the most expensive thing in 2002 when you don't have to build models. Yes. And you don't have to do camera tricks. You can do all of that on a computer. Seems like that should be cheaper, but I don't know. What do I know? I'm not in the industry, so I'd have no idea. (laughs) So um, 
I think one of the reasons that some of the emotion was missing from this is you've got to note in here that the cast believed that there was going to be one more movie with like a big bang of everybody saying goodbye. Yeah. And if that's the case, that explains a lot of why it just didn't hit. Yes. Um, but you know, what are you going to do? The studio was like, this was a massive failure. So clearly it's the fault of the fact that it's star Trek, not the fault of, you know, all the changes and choices we made. (laughs) Nobody, it clearly, nobody likes star Trek and never will ever again. Until Netflix buys the rights for streaming a couple of years later. And they go, Holy crap. Who are all these people watching star Trek? Right. (laughs) We're just going to have to make what? Like 12 more shows. (laughs) Let's see. There's prodigy lower decks, Picard discovery. uh, And we'll be having section 31 come out. Oh, uh, uh, strange new worlds. Oh yes. The best of them. Yeah. So there's currently six different shows either on the air or in production right now for a franchise that they believed was dead. Yeah. Which and that's after they made what? Five more movies, four more movies. Let's see. Three. Is it only three in the Kelvin? Yeah. Yeah. So they made three movies after this. And then there's six shows as well. Yeah. Cause when they basically a lot of, from what I've read, the Netflix experience really surprised Paramount. Mm-hmm when they found out how much traffic was happening on, on streaming of star Trek. And that's when they started to rethink, well, maybe, maybe we need to do something. And then of course, when the streaming wars came out, part of the original idea behind the launch of Paramount plus was they were saying, we're going to set it up. So we're going to have, um, I think the original plan was seven star Trek series. So every single week there's going to be a new episode of star Trek every week of the year and they've come pretty That'd close. Be amazing. Yeah. Hmm. Which, Hey, I'm all for more star Trek, right? Hey, the thing that makes me so happy is that lower decks is opening up the possibilities for all kinds of stuff. Very true. Right. They're, they're just breaking that storyline open. And I love the fact that it's all set in the TNG universe, which is my favorite. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And Picard opening up that universe also makes it for some fun. I just, I, I kind of hope that Picard uh, spawns other shows. Like they'll spin stuff off of there. Yes. Right. Like the captain on that ship. Holy crap. I want to, I want his show. I want to, I want the show of him and his uh, holograms flying through space. <laughs> like that. I, I could watch that by itself. Yeah. Yeah. No, for some Damn. reason they decide to leave him in the past. I didn't I, well, he fell in love. It makes no sense. Temporal. Tem- Once again, prime directive. When we feel like it. <laughs> hey, you don't know. Maybe he was there the whole time. You don't know. Maybe, maybe he's his own grandfather. <laughs> As always happens. That's, exactly. that's why we don't do this sort of thing. <laughs> Listen, the grandfather paradox is not an issue because you don't know that I wasn't already my own grandfather. <laughs> well, I know I wasn't my own grandfather because he was a heck of a guy. And yeah, there's no way I was that guy. <laughs> yeah, my grandfather was way better than me. <laughs> Actually, that guy was. <laughs> anyway, 
So apparently there was also a source that claimed there was going to be a crossover uh, in the the next movie if it had happened. Oh, yeah. I'm totally there for that. I mean, the TNG DS9 Voyager crossover. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, I um um because Tim Russ even talked about it one time, like they thought that was going to be a reality. That uh, I I will admit, I don't know if it's a two hour movie. I think that's a that's a uh, a half season of a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do, you do. I I can see that. I actually, I think you could put it together, but I think at at that point they just had no idea what they had and what they wanted to do with it. Now, interestingly enough. We kind of already are there. We have a Voyager and TNG crossover going on right now. That's Picard. Oh, that is true. I hadn't thought about that. Now, if we can just get Cisco to show up. <laughs> I mean, just bring him back to the universe. Or just Armin Shimmerman. Just uh, even him. Oh, Not even in yeah. makeup. Just, no makeup. Just walk <laughs> on set. Hi, everybody. I'm Armin. Uh, Hi. Wait, why are you here? No reason. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, that's it. That's that's the end of Star Trek Nemesis. It's also the end of the TNG universe in movies. Uh, it, it was a great run. Yeah. Not a great movie. Yeah. But, you know. It was kind of. Uh, it opens us. Kind of slid into the. Into the. Into. Slid out of there rather than. <laughs> walking out with his head L.I. <laughs> right. It does take us to the dark years. And by the dark years, I mean the years where we really didn't have Star Trek. True. We are rewatching was... the heck out of this stuff. Oh, God. Those were tough years. All we had was reruns. Thankfully, streaming came out and we could watch those reruns anytime we wanted to. Right. And boy, did we. <laughs> Thankfully, I never had to to buy the DVD box sets of the TV shows. Me neither. Uh, I did. I rented them from Blockbuster like crazy, but I never had to buy them. I, I had lots of videotapes. I was <laughs> one of those people had lots of lots of Star Trek videotapes. My problem is, is I wasn't consistent enough about recording them. And so I'd end up with like one tape that I would watch over and over and over <laughs> again. And I'm like, I can't watch this episode ever again. <laughs> oh, well. All right. Well, everybody, thank you very much for joining thank us. Thank you. Um, the the next time we talk to you guys, it'll probably be doing all original series episodes because those are a heck of a lot of fun. Yes, they are. And I really I, I don't know about you, but I want to I want to dive into the crazy stupidity that is those <laughs> episodes because they're they're so dumb and so weird. But I love them. I'm a huge fan of 60s mod. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I would like to take a moment to say thank you to our friends over at five year mission thank for you. the use of their song beam down as our intro and outro. Uh, please make sure you head on over to five year mission.net. Uh, you will find a song for every episode of the old series broken up into albums representing each season. That's amazing. Uh, it's, it's great stuff. And you can also find them on Apple music. Uh, look for five year mission. Uh, That's it for us. Thank you, everyone. And we'll talk to you next time. See you then. Bye.